Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the hockey moms and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And, and this, this is, is our, our house. house. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Hockey podcast, episode 147. What's going on? Who are you? Oh, I'm Breezy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ray Ray. And we have a guest this episode. We do. We have a guest. We are talking all things playoff for the most part, uh, but also kind of focusing on the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, we really wanted to sort of get an expert to give us some better insight on this team because they performed so unexpectedly well um, at the beginning of this season, as we all know. And we've talked about here, Breezy and I, about how they just sort of had this incredible season and we wanted to know what the, is going on from an expert's opinion. And that is why we asked Christy Flannery to join us. She is a contributor to the hockey writers and she has been writing with them since uh, March of 2021. And she is covering the New Jersey devils for them. Uh, she's a credentialed correspondent. So she's in the locker room. She is, you know, there at the games covering the team. She is a member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, and you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram. Just look for Instilettos underscore NHL or Skating Instilettos. Um, she'll come up, but she also has a podcast as well that you can listen to, and we thought she was the perfect person to talk about the Devils. Yeah, and we were right. It was great. We had a good time, and you'll be hearing it shortly. Yeah, we were right. <laughs> we were right. No, that Chris... happens a lot, though. We're right a lot about a lot of things, whether you agree or not. <laughs> exactly. No, Chrissy is also from New Jersey. She's got that. She's like the perfect person for this job and to cover this team. And there's no nonsense with her. And she's kind. And she gets right to the point. She has her opinion. And she backs it up. And we t- we covered it all. Jack Hughes. Um, 
Lindy, why they will or won't win the Stanley Cup this season. Um, and Luke I think Hughes. you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Timo mm-hmm. Meyer. We, Meyer. yeah, uh, she gives us a lot of insight into this team, both now this season and into the future, regardless of what happens, uh, for them in the playoffs. It's definitely worth a listen to hear just how exciting this team has become. So, yeah. And we went over a few players, uh, previous playoff, uh, depth that they've brought, um, a few stats, I would say, uh, not super analytical or anything like that. Um, but very interesting. It definitely made me kind of question my previous thoughts and it was super insightful and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes. All right. Enjoy the interview with Christy Flannery. Welcome to the house of hockey podcast, Christy Flannery. She is like a joy to finally have talking hockey on this podcast her and I connected through social several years ago I feels like and we chatted during playoffs and then life happened and now we have her back and on the show and she is um one of the contributors to the hockey writers and she does this full time and we are so happy to have her talk all things New Jersey Devils. We're going to have to have you come back and talk like (laughs) other teams, but we really wanted to hyper-focus this conversation on the Devils because that is your team. That's where you live and you get to cover them. I do. Which is like a dream, right? It's a dream. It's absolutely a dream. It's the best. It's it's a different mentality when you wake up and you actually love what you're doing. It's just the best. Yeah. Okay. Let's start with, I'm going to go with the big question. Okay. Why won't the Devils win the Stanley Cup? Why won't they? Um, Probably inexperience. They have a lot of veterans. They have Brendan Smith. They have Eric Halla, Andre Palat, Thomas Tatar. But I think as a group, when you look at them, they really are inexperienced compared to teams like Tampa and Colorado. It's just a different thing. And I was talking on my own podcast, and I was saying how when you look back on Tampa and Colorado specifically – they had that learning curve that they had to kind of get into the postseason and have those hard losses to bounce back from. You had Tampa, who was embarrassed when Columbus swept them in the first round. You had Colorado that, you know, after their historically, like, horrible season, they got into the postseason. They suffered a really bad loss. And there's that learning curve that I think comes with becoming a Stanley Cup contending team. And the Devils are more advanced than anyone thought they'd be this year. And listen, once you're in, you're in. But I look at this team and I think there's still some lessons to learn for the young guys like Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. And I think this is a good starting point, but I don't think they're there quite yet. But anything can happen. <laughs> anything can happen. Is there a player on the team that has won the cup before? I'm trying um, to think. So Andre Palat has obviously won too. And That's I don't right. know if you want to count him, but Jonathan Bernier is on the roster he hasn't played in in a while but he won a stanley cup actually in 2012 he was jonathan quick's tandem partner when la the new jersey devils so technically they're technically well you have a little bit of playoff experience there so (laughs) yeah yeah there is and i think too a lot of people some people have been disappointed in andre Palat's performance this year And you have to remember, yes, he signed a very big contract. Some people didn't like what the average annual salary was for that. But he was also injured for a while at the start of the season. And I think there's an adjustment when you come to a new team and learn a new system. 
So I'm curious to see, because he was really brought in for the playoffs. Like this is this man's like moment to shine. So I'm curious to see how he's going to do once April 17th hits. Okay. So why will the devils win the Stanley cup this year? They're a resilient group. Over half of their wins have been comeback victories. This is a team. Over half of them? Over half of them have been comeback victories. This is a team that is resilient and they will kind of force themselves on teams. Like they, even though they're down, they're never out of it. And I think that alone makes them a very scary team to go up against because they have that mentality and they've had it all season long. And again, you have the veteran guys there to kind of help Jack, help Nico, help Jesper Bratt, like along as they go through this like postseason journey. They're, I think out of all the teams, I'm going to say maybe Seattle's in this category too. The Devils, you don't really know what you're going to get in the postseason with them. There's conversations from the outside that, you know, they can't handle a physical game. They're, you know, they're not going to do well in a physical series. But I think there's a lot of people that don't know what to expect. And I think that alone can make them a scary team. Because there's other teams, like, you know what you're going to get with Boston. You know what you're going to get with Tampa. You don't really know with New Jersey. Are they going to go far? Are they going to fold after four? You don't know. And I think that is a very scary concept to their opponents. What's your scary. Oh, so what's your instinct say? <laughs> Are they going to fold or are they going to, what's your gut after following them all season? You know, I don't think they're going to get swept. Um, I think the, the Rangers, I think they could do well because I think they're actually pretty evenly matched to be honest with you. I think that they're, but you have to remember too, the Rangers are not the devil. I think from the outside, a lot of people think they're on the same trajectory and they're not. The Rangers have a lot of veterans on their team. They're in a win now mode. And at the end of the day, they're not going to want to waste Shesterkin's prime they, like they did with Lundqvist. Like, they are in it to win it, whereas the Devils, like I said, surprised a lot of people, made it to this, made it this far. Their window's only beginning. The Rangers is more, I guess, halfway toward closing at this point with, you know, the fact that a lot of their main players are over 30 years old. Um, I think that the, the Devils will do well against them. Because for some reason, Shesterkin gives the Devils, a, the Devils give Shesterkin a hard time. I had to make sure I said that correctly. Yes. Um, whereas I like, also I, put that like tri-state area jab in. So yeah. Well, okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's statistics. It's not even. Okay. Durkin <laughs> no. uh, does not play his best if, with New Jersey. And we've seen it. Some teams just have players numbers and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the Islanders, if the Devils can jump over Carolina and get that number one spot in the Metro. I think the Islanders would be a hard time for the Devils. I think Florida could be a hard time for the Devils. So I think it really depends on the matchup. I could see that. I mean, also too, like my perspective, like I don't watch a whole lot of of, uh, Devils games, but I almost consider that entire team as being like the frat boys where like they're just having a good time on at every game. And, and then when you see them like versus like the, the Rangers, like you said, it's more of like, like, serious um have to win right the second like mm-hmm. screw these guys like we're major focus we're career focus we we want to win we have to graduate right now and then the devils are just like yeah let's just go get ourselves like a couple borgs and have a good time i could tell you that when the devils went on their 13 game winning streak earlier in the season yeah. every time i went into the locker room with the rest of the media i was expecting there to be like music and like all this great stuff because they were they were breaking franchise and league records at that point and yeah. it was all business 
You yeah, walked in there, wild. it was all business. Like Nico handles himself like a professional, no matter if they win eight to one or lose seven to one. Like Nico is like this all the time. Um, you have Brendan Smith. Like there's a lot of guys there that they, their whole, I guess, mantra this year is don't get too high. Don't get too low. And you saw that anytime you went in the locker room after a game, no matter what the score was, they always had that mentality of now we have another one to do. So there is that professionalism and there is that business mindset when you go in and actually interact with them after a game They're Yeah. They, they truly stuck to do not get too high. Do not get too low. So is that along with their resiliency, what is like the secret sauce of why they have been so extraordinary this season? Is there something else? Are we missing something? What is it? I think it's such a hard question to answer because I know a lot of people last year thought that like Lindy Ruff was the problem and everything like that. And it's like, no, they had a ton of injuries and that's not an excuse. That's a reality. When you have as many injuries as they did, look at Columbus this year, you, you can't really put a team together out on the ice. I think for them, what's working is Tom Fitzgerald in the off season brought in the right pieces. I don't think anyone thought that Eric Halla, Brendan Smith, John Marino and Vitek Vanacek would be the pieces that the puzzle, like the puzzle that were missing, but that's exactly what happened. And sometimes you don't need the flashiest players. You just, you know, it's like Herb Brooks said, I don't need the best players. I need the right players. And he really got a roster together. That's very complimentary for each other. And on top of that, you have a lot of guys that are having amazing years. Dougie Hamilton, he's behind Eric Carlson with, you know, over 20 goals. You have Jack Hughes, who's doing just ridiculous Jack Hughes things that we're just expecting at this point. He's just having a great year. Timo Meyer just hit 40 goals. It's just everything is just going right for the clubs this year, whereas last year, everything went wrong. This week's episode of the House of Hockey podcast is brought to you by... It's NBA playoffs time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. That's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, Kansas. 21 and older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gaming resources.
and then you have Luke Hughes that's coming in. How do you think that's going to, I mean, are you going to have like another uh, Sedine brothers kind of on the ice where they just have like these no look passes? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, I try to keep myself very realistic when it comes to the young guys coming in, especially young defensemen, because everyone knows young defensemen take a long time to fully develop. Not every defenseman yeah. is going to run in and be Cal McCarr and by 23 years old could literally just retire because he's won everything under the sun at this point. <laughs> Luke, for me, it's going to be interesting because I think when it comes time for training camp next year, you have to think Damon Severson and Brian Graves are both UFAs at the end of this season. Could Luke take one of their spots? You don't know. The only question I have is right now, this team looks like they're at the beginning stages of being a true contender season after season to be competitive. Young defensemen make young mistakes. It has nothing to do with their talent or their skill set. It's just the learning curve of being in the NHL. And yeah, experience. About, yeah, it's just inexperience. It's it's something that comes with the experience of doing it. And, you know, a lot of fans are like, oh, next year we're going to have Simone Nemich. We're going to have Luke Hughes. And I'm like, you have to keep in mind, young defensemen make young mistakes. You don't want to sacrifice the team's overall prime years to develop young kids that it's not going to stunt them if they go in the AHL for a year. Right. It's going to just help them further develop. Because from college to NHL, I would imagine that's a big jump. I'm not, I'm not a player. I don't know. But I would say that's a massive jump because you're going from playing with kids to playing with men. And those are two different things. And I will say that after the Devils Tampa game, I was in the tunnel and I saw a bunch of the Tampa Bay players walking out. They're men. They're massive. They're built like these are not boys. These are men. And that's completely different than playing in college. Yeah, that would be terrifying on the ice. Like, yeah, you know. You hear- you hear it all the time, right? Like, oh, like he's young. He needs to put on weight. He needs to put on muscle. And like, those are all things that just come with the territory. So with Luke, obviously we're expecting a lot of skill. We're expecting a top defender. But for me, there's no point in rushing him. Just like there was no point to rush Simone Nemich. Like when they get here, they'll get here. There's no point in putting them in a situation where they're going to fail. Yeah, I think that's what we're seeing with Shane Wright. You know, I think so many people were like, he's ready. He's going to be the next big. And even he thought he was going to be the next big star and ready to play. Right. And we're seeing the team handle him correctly by keeping him in the, I think they just put it back into the AHL. They're working him, they're doing things and I'm sure he's frustrated, but it's going to be for his best interest in the long run, you know, and it's going to make him even more hungry once he gets on the ice, you know, full time in, in, in the NHL, but we've seen it there. People forget that these are kids Like if they weren't playing hockey, they'd be in a dorm room flipping a cup playing beer, playing beer pong. So like, let them develop. There's no, there already is a pressure on them because of where they were drafted. There already is that expectation that's going to follow them. Let them just play the game, get comfortable. It's going to be an adjustment. It's great that Jack is already there and Jack can help him with certain things, but just let him develop. He doesn't need to be Dougie Hamilton's defensive partner next year. It's okay if he's not let him just get there on his own (laughs) yes do you think that there's pressure though like in upper management to get him onto the team so then they can like have like a marketing push for like the Hughes brothers obviously it's going to be huge I think I you know the Devils I think actually tease something on Twitter about like imagine like a game on a Tuesday where like Luke Hughes passes the puck to Jack Hughes and like at Prudential Center and the Devils next home game is on a Tuesday so everyone's like oh my god Luke's making his debut on Tuesday. Could it happen? Absolutely it could. Because at this point, even though Lindy Ruff has said he doesn't really want to rest any of his players, he wants everyone to kind of keep going. 
he still has the option to rest people because there's a lot of depth on the team. And now you have Luke. So, and again, you're not really playing high pressure games at this point. Like, yes, they want to keep winning and they would love to get that first, you know, spot in the Metro, but they're not, again, they're not the Islanders. They're not Pittsburgh. They're not Florida right now. Um, I personally love the storyline that Jack is actually one point shy of tying Patrick Eliash for most points yeah. in franchise history. All my thought process was, is that if Jack is held off the score sheet tonight, again, Boston, he comes home on Tuesday, ties the record, beats the record, becomes the record holder and has Luke on the ice with him. Like that for me, yes. from the writer's standpoint is like the storyline that everyone would go nuts for. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody would love to see that. That would be huge. Could we go back to coach Lindy for a second? Because yeah. one of the other big stories that we were seeing at the beginning of this season was your fans, your fellow fans, cause you are still a fan too, but you are professional, but, uh, there was chanting from the fans fire Lindy and then sorry, Lindy, uh, in the first, what, 20 games of the season for them. Uh, what's, what is the deal with the fan? What is the deal with that? What is wrong with the fans? What's going on there? Explain that mindset to us. That's like a New Jersey thing to do, right? (laughs) I'm like, this would never happen in like Minnesota or like the deep South. Like this is just a straight up like tri-state area Jersey thing. (laughs) Um, They jumped the gun. And again, I think it was because people blamed Lindy for last season. Whereas my philosophy is, is, you know what? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't necessarily make it drink. I don't know why people outside of the room felt that it was his system that was the problem because it's basically the same thing this year. So you know that it's not, that's not, that wasn't the problem. Um, But they, I think when, I think when Tom Fitzgerald hired Andrew Burnett as the associate coach, a lot of people were hoping that that would just, he would literally just bump Lindy and Lindy would be out and Andrew Mm. Burnett would take over. I think that was the, everyone's hope in the summer. And when Tom Fitzgerald came out and said, Lindy's my guy, I'm sticking with him. Fans were not happy because that's not what they wanted. And when the team lost their first two games, one of them being against the Philadelphia Flyers, by the time they got back to Prudential Center, fans were just done. They were over it. They were done. And if there's one thing that they do in New Jersey is they will vocalize how they feel about something. So, but you know what? Lindy handled it so well. When he was asked about it post-game, he basically said, like, it's my responsibility to get this team to win. And he's always been like that, which is why even last year I said, I really like him. I think he's very honest. I don't really ever see him, like, putting the blame on people unnecessarily to kind of, like, save himself. I think he's very much like, it's, that's on me. And the, it was, the, sorry, Lindy chants were just hilarious. I remember sitting, I was in the press box and I looked over at somebody, I'm like, are they saying what I think they're saying? I was like, is that what's happening right now? And like afterwards, Lindy's like, hey, like one day, like we'll go get a, we'll go get a beer with the fans and it'll be just like a ha-ha moment. But this is a guy that is has a good chance of winning the Jack Adams Award this year. Yep. Like that's who you were booing. A Jack, I mean, he's, I would say without a doubt, he's going to be a finalist. It's really going to come down to him and Montgomery. And if you look at last year to this year, depending on how you, your perspective of the award, he should win it. Because Montgomery inherited a veteran winning team. That's true. Yeah. Lindy had a bunch of youngsters and then had a couple off-season acquisitions that he had to get into the system and make it work. So depending on how you look at the award, it would be Lindy. Look at their goal differential from last year to this year. It's it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm like thinking about, I'm like, holy crap. Like you're making me realize a lot of things right now. (laughs) I'm so happy for that. Well, because we talked about it, we talked about it in the media room the other day. And I was like, oh, I'm, you know, just because of Boston's historic like season, I would think that it's going to be Jim Montgomery. And a couple guys were like, yeah, but look what Lindy did with this team. It's one thing to inherit greatness. It's something different to turn something around the way that he did. Because he goes, they were a top five team, top three team in the league, basically all season long. It's not like this was the Blues when they won the cup where in January they were at the bottom and then they turned things around and really like snapped into it. The Devils have been consistently good all year. I don't know that I don't know that Montgomery and totally inherited like a fully winning team. I think they definitely had a little bit of, you know, they brought in some different players. Yeah, he might have like you could look at it that way, but I don't know. I've seen Boston play this year enough and a lot, and there's just something different about the guys. I don't know that I don't think we can credit Montgomery for it. But like, I think there's just something different that switched. And I think Felino is a really, really big part of that. Um, I don't know. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't think Boston was as winning as they were last year. I mean, yes, they have a lot of much more veteran players, the two goalie, you know, they've got all the pieces, but I don't think they were playing to their optimum last season. No, but I think what it is, and when I meant that was you have a team yeah. that has like Jesper Boquist, which if you're not watching the Devils, you have no idea who that is. You know, you have, again, goaltending that you really had no idea at the beginning of the season what you were going to get out of the goaltending. And then you have Boston, and it's like you have David Krejci, you have Brad Marchand, you have Patrice Bergeron, you have Charlie McAvoy, you have Taylor Hall, who was a former Hart, you know, MVP. So there's just, in the scheme of like listing players, Okay. You would give the edge to the Boston Bruins that they're yeah. a more veteran, they're a more established, more proven team when you have the Devils that really their main guys have not won anything. That's fair. That's totally yeah. fair. Yes. That's I mean, what I actually meant. I probably didn't explain it right. No. Like, it's like inheriting a team of like Stanley Cup champions and it's like Nate Bashman, Jesper Boquist, Miles Boyd, like let's let's put a team together. <laughs> yeah, the Bruins oh, definitely Miles. have more like marquee names on. Miles yeah. Wade is a big, yeah. I mean, you look at it and like, you can, you can recognize almost every single name on the Bruins roster, but right. like everyone else, like you're always just, or even like, uh, like Tampa only because they've had so much success mm-hmm. in the last few years. But I feel like this is probably a very unpopular opinion, but like, they're going to crash and burn in my opinion. And it's yep. going to be like, everyone's going to like lose their mind over and be like, they should have won regardless of the president's trophy or whatever. Like we all know that that is somewhat of a curse. But oh, like, you think the, the Bruins teams. are going to crash and burn? The Bruins the are definitely going to crash. Oh, and burn. okay, got it. Yeah, I- and then you look at a team like the Lightning, where it's like, again, my personal perspective, it's like these young guys who are just having a good time, and you don't know a lot of. I mean, like you know, like a Jack Hughes, and you know, like a again, like a Miles Wood, only because of his face, really. Like he looks like you, a Franco brother, so we get it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, like, but then you look at. Like my personal opinion, like I think the Devils are going to do better than than the Bruins, and it's a very unpopular opinion. But it's only because when you have teams that are stacked with so many like all star names, I feel like they have a lot to prove, and then they always end up coming up short. And I don't know why I'm holding my hands like this. This is just very awkward. Just ignore <laughs> Antony crawling in the background. Go oh. ahead. <laughs> I think too, when you look at Boston and New Jersey specifically, all the pressure is on Boston. No matter yeah. what happens with New Jersey, their season is a success. 
they can get swept in the first round. Doesn't matter. Their season Mm -hmm. was a success. Whereas if Boston gets eliminated in the first round, it's failure. So I think there's a difference between having all the pressure on you and then just playing with house money and saying, you know what, we're just going to go out there. We're going to try and win a Stanley cup. And if we don't, we're going to come back next year and we're going to be stronger and we're going to be better. And we're going to have more experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good perspective. All right. Talk to us about Timo Meyer and what is he say? Give me Timo. Yeah. What's he bringing to the, to this locker room and uh, to this team on the ice? Um, off the ice, he's very similar to Nico. The first time I spoke with Timo, I sat down, I said, you're Nico, like in three years. I don't know if it's a Swiss thing, but very professional, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it has to be just a thing. Um, on the ice, God, he's another one. There was so much pressure on him. And I had people like DMing me after like two games and they're like, oh, this was like, he's a bust. He's a failure. Stop it. It's been two games. And I asked him if San Jose system is similar to New Jersey's. And he was like, no, he said, not even close. So you have, again, you're dealing with the adjustment of learning on a new team. You don't really have time. It's not like you have a training camp to adjust. You have to just go in and do your best. And for him, it's about finding him the right line mates. Because originally everyone thought he was going to be with Jack. Jack needed an elite winger, uh, an elite shooter to play with. And Meyer's been on the third line. And you know what? It's been working. And at the end of the day, when you're on the third line and you have a second line that has Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt and a first line that has Nico Heischer and Dawson Mercer, you have depth. Your opponent's top defenders can't defend all three lines. So it's not bad to have Timo Meyer on the third line. It's really not. It's giving you so many more options and it's making it really hard for your, the opposing defense to figure out who they need to cover because there's threats on all three. He's really been making an impact on the power play, which is one of the reasons I think they kind of brought him in too. Um, but yeah, he's slowly adjusting. You could see it kind of more and more. He's definitely coming into himself and they, the rule of thumb, when I talk to players and coaches is when it's somebody joins a new team, 15 to 20 games, usually it takes 15 to 20. And funny enough, I think it was 20 games from when they traded for Timo Meyer to the last regular season game. So by playoffs, he should be fully acclimated to devil's hockey. And that's going to be really, really fun to watch. Yeah. Cause I think a couple episodes, Bruce and I were like, Oh, maybe it takes like a week or two to get adjusted to the team. That's not 20 games to get adjusted. We were a little off, but I mean, I've I've talked to like Tomas Tatar and like Ryan Graves and like, they always say like year one in general is like an adjustment and kind of like my word, a struggle, not their word. I'll take that as mine. Whereas it's, you know, year two, like look at, look at Tatar, Tatar year one, he was okay. He was okay. I mean, the whole team was just okay as a whole. Tatar is on the first line right now. He's playing exceptionally well. Him, Nico Heischer, and Dawson Mercer were a force for like a handful of games. They were so good. And he said, he's like, you just get more comfortable year two because it's on the ice. It's off the ice. It's figuring out where you're living. There's so many factors. And I think from an outside perspective, people don't understand that. And it's like, oh, they played four games and they're not scoring goals. So like we traded Fabian Zetterlin for nothing. Stop it. Don't jump to conclusions like that. Yeah. Stop it. Uh, what okay, can, so go ahead. But Tatar, real quick, I'm just like going back in my memory here. I don't think he made the playoffs when he was on the Red Wings, but he he had a playoff, a long playoff run for the first year when he was uh, on Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. They played for the Stanley Cup championship. Mm-hmm. And he also, before he got traded to the Devils, he did a Stanley Cup run with the Canadians. So do you think 
that he can bring extra depth with just those two years of experience. Yeah. Making so, it that far. Yeah. So he plays, um, I had to look it up because I didn't want to misquote anything. He has mm-hmm. 40 games of playoff experience under his a belt. Lot. The most a lot. That, the most he played in postseason was with Montreal in 2019-2020. He had mm-hmm. 10, uh, 10 games that he played. Because he gets injured a lot, though, huh? He actually hasn't been injured this year, I don't think. I don't think so. But I think in prior years, he, I think he missed a few games from being injured. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. No, he's been, he's been really sturdy this year. And he's been, he really worked himself into a position where a lot of fans want him back. A lot of fans want him back next year. See, and that's where you get players that are, uh, what do you think? What do they call them? Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't remember. I'm just trying to think of the word. But it's like the the underrated player that like Like the glue has... guys? Yeah. Like maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Where he... it's like you need them, but they like kind of get slept on. But like not really, you know? Well, actually, I can tell you I know exactly what you're talking about. Because if you want to mm-hmm. talk about Nate Bastion, and I don't know how how familiar either of you are with him. He's no. a he's a fourth line grinder. His hold on, I gotta actually pull up the stat because okay, you pull that up and here's the Tatar injuries. Uh, oh 2022 of, of April, he had an illness. 21 of May, he had an undisclosed injury. 20 of March 20th, upper body, and February of 20 2020. Excuse me. Um, February of 2020, also undisclosed injury. So he did have some posts like towards the end of season injuries. So yeah. There you go. It's like he gets I remember the word. What? Unsung hero. Ah. <laughs> Unsung so, hero. That, that tough. Yeah, that was not what I was really thinking, but it came to mind after that. Never mind. <laughs> no, that's all the same thing though. Yeah. So yeah. Nate Fashion, for those who don't know, he's a like he's a fourth line grinder. Like he's mm-hmm. That, that, you know, he doesn't really, he's not, he's not a top forward in the, uh, in the division or anything like, or in, on the team or anything like that. The Devils with him in the lineup are 31, six and three with him out of the lineup. They're like 19, 14 and something. Like there's a massive discrepancy between him in the lineup and him out of the lineup. And it's one of those weird stats that we all discovered this year. And again, this isn't Jack Hughes. This isn't Nico Heischer. This is a fourth line grinder that has some time on the penalty kill. Sometimes he'll be utilized as a net front presence because he's like six, four, like 200 pounds. But those players make an impact. You don't need to be the first overall pick to make an impact on a team. It's the wall play. It's how they play away from the puck. All the things that fans are like, oh, it's so cliche when coaches say it. When you watch the game to that level, it's all the things that make a player good. Sounds like the team is pretty well-rounded and that you guys have all the pieces you need, right? We've seen it, right? You've got all the pieces. You've got health on your side. You've got resiliency, um is there anything they're missing is there anything that would make that push them over the edge or is it just the years that they need that time the experience playoff experience I think it's the experience and I also maybe I would like to see maybe another physical player in the forward group um because besides McLeod Bastion and Wood 
Hall plays a physical, you know, game, but Hall is not that big of a guy. Um, and then you have Timo Meyer who plays a physical game. But if Timo Meyer is going to be in the bottom six, that really leaves a lack of physicality in your top six. Um, so maybe just that. I'm curious to see how they're going to handle a physical matchup. That's kind of where my question mark is at this point with them. Okay. Have you shopped at Pure Hockey? They are America's largest hockey retailer with dozens of stores and the option to shop online. If you or any of your kids play hockey, Pure Hockey is the place to find just about all of your equipment, skates, sticks, gear, bags, jerseys, and accessories. Plus, Pure Hockey is one of our affiliate partners. Next time you break your hockey stick or your kid grows out of his skates, why not check out purehockey.com? While you are looking for hockey equipment, you can also browse around for merchandise from your favorite NHL team, you know who Breezy's and mine are, and make gift giving even easier for your hockey-loving friends and family. And do us a favor, use our special link for purehockey.com when you browse the site and make a purchase because we'll receive a small commission which helps me and Breezy create this podcast. Head to the episode's show notes for the special direct link to shop at purehockey.com. We have one note here and it says, why should we shoot root for the devils? Why should fans root for Why the should devils? we shoot the devil? Should, should, why should we shoot the devil? I don't know. I read, I, I read shoot the puck. I don't know. <laughs> um, honestly, they're a fun team. They're it's a really fast team. They're very speedy. It's they're just they're they're dynamic right now. You know, you have Jack Hughes, who I think a lot of people forget when he was first drafted, he was kind of, he was advertised as a player that can shoot the puck, make his teammates around him better, really be a passer. Nobody really was talking about Jack as a shooter when he first came into the league. And now he has 42 goals and it's like, Oh, all of a sudden like Jack Hughes can shoot the puck too. I think they're just fun right now. It's kind of like Buffalo. I think Buffalo is a really fun team to watch. It's, it's like the up and coming. And, you know, you can sit down and, you know, when Tampa actually wins their Stanley Cups and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to jump on the Tampa bandwagon. But for someone who's a writer and likes the storyline, this is a fun time to start paying attention to them. So watch the development and see where this team can go. Because sky's the limit. Once you get into the postseason, it's a whole different ballgame. Anyone can win. Oh, yeah. Okay, one Very more true. question. I'm sorry. No. Anything, um, any interesting stories, funny locker room things you can share, uh, anything that you think is appropriate that wouldn't break uh, confidence with your, with your um, relationship? Dawson Mercer, I can confirm Dawson Mercer is as nice and sweet as he seems to be. For some reason, anytime I tweet about Dawson Mercer, it it's like one of my, it's like my best tweets of the season. Everyone loves knowing about this kid. Um, I can confirm he is just as nice as everyone says. Whenever I talk to him, I, I'm like, okay, like, thanks for your time. And as I'm walking away, he'll be like, thank you. Like, have a great day. And I always get taken aback because he always makes sure to say that no matter who he talks to, that's how he ends the conversation with you. He's so nice. Um, Thomas, uh, Thomas Tatar is currently my favorite because after a practice, I knew I needed him for an article. And I walked into the locker room and thankfully he was sitting at a stall and I went over to him and I said, do you have a few minutes? And he immediately stood up like most of them do. And I said to him, like, you just practiced. I was like, take a seat. 
And he goes, okay. And he actually slid next to me and he goes, do you want to sit with me? And we sat in his stall together for our like four minute conversation. And I was like, that's a good guy right there. That's a good one. What a guy. Um, but I gotta be honest. Most of the guys are great. Like most of them are really, really great. I haven't had any player that had an attitude or made me feel like an idiot or made me feel like I was wasting their time. Like they're just really nice guys, which is just, it's refreshing because not every reporter that works in the world of sports can say that about the people that they interact with. But I really have been lucky. They've all been great and they all have different personalities and it's fun to kind of navigate and see like who, like if you need a certain thing, like who's the best player to go to. So it's always fun to kind of learn the different personalities and kind of figure out who's going to get me what I need. And like, it's just, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about hockey players, right? We are always like, they're just the best and they'll do whatever they'll say, whatever, you know, we need to, it's a, we sport, um, but to hear it firsthand is always nice. And especially being a woman in this world, it's also super nice to hear that they are just as welcoming. It's also the way you are as a reporter too, that will set the tone for anything. You know, there's some people out there who, I mean, yeah, you just, you're like, what are you doing? Why are you asking that? You know? And I mean, I get it. I think, I think there's, there's a hard line, I think, from an outside perspective. And, you know, you want one, not every reporter is going to be your kind of latte. You know, like my whole thing is like, I'm a features writer. I want to humanize the players and like kind of bring people in to really understand them on a human level, that they're people at the end of the day. Um, There's reporters that want the good story. They want the clicks. They want, you know, all the recognition and it depends on how you go about it. But I think for me, I'm like, I just want to treat you like a human being. I want to treat you with respect. There are certain things that obviously, if you tell me, I'm going to keep off the record, especially if it comes to your family or anything of that nature, because it's not the fan's business to know. And I appreciate that you trust me with that information. And it's really just treating them like human beings and understanding that there's a whole aspect to it. That's just how I approach it. I mean, I'm still pretty new, but that's just, you know, that's how I do it. (laughs) I think you got to just stick with who you are and you're, you your, your stories are great and incredible. And I can't wait to see what uh, more you cover and write during the playoffs. So thank you. Thanks guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming over to our house of hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for house of hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.